Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So today we're going to finish up on God's service in action. And we're going to start out with what we left it out, up, what we ended up with last week. Just a quick summary of what it means to be in God's service. One is <clears throat> that service is an opportunity to find ourselves and to help ourselves in the sense of when we help others, we know that we help ourselves. That's something that we found out in research that a lot of people who are down on themselves, when we tell them to go out and help someone else, they often feel much better about themselves. And then we learn to appreciate also the abundance already in existence in our lives because as we help, we train our muscle of being grateful of being in gratitude. And learning to be in gratitude means that we see more and more abundance in our lives. The second thing is that God's service is about putting all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls, and all our strength into it. That's important. We need to be fully into it, which means we need to give it all to all, right? Jesus was very clear on that. Love your enemy, love, your, love one another, and love your enemy. So we have to give it to all. Whenever we exclude anyone, then we're not really being purely and fully in God's service. The other thing that we talked about is about altruism. There's four different forms of altruisms that are recognized. Only one of them is really pure. The other ones have some sort of an agenda, um, a transactional idea behind it. Pure altruism is when we do something for someone else without any, having any expectations. And that's not always easy, right? And so those are the three really important points that we need to take with us into today's message to understand what it means to be truly in service. So part two is about joy. Joy is an important part of service. If we don't have joy in service, we're missing out. We're missing out on the power that service can give to others and ourselves. So let's look about that. Look on that a little bit. <clears throat> My Angelou once said, we need joy as we need air. We need love as we need water, and we need each other as we need the earth to sh we share. To, to see the idea of joy, and you see that joy is capitalized there as air, I like the idea because it gives us an idea that, wait a minute, even though in the moment that I don't breathe, joy is still there, symbolizing that even in the moments where I don't feel joyful, Joy is still available, okay? It's like air. 
It's always around us. And we are the ones who choose to breathe it in or to hold it or to not breathe. I'm thinking of, you know, the five-year-old five you know, who holds his breath because he doesn't get what he wants, right? So think of it in this way, that when we are not truly experiencing joy, it's not so much because it's not there, but because we choose not to see it and not to get to it. So we could say that joy is absolutely needed in our lives. The question is, what kind of joy? There's different kinds of joy. And I want to break this down a little bit today. Mother Teresa once said that joy is a net of love by which you can catch souls. And that addresses one kind of joy. There is a kind of joy that spreads across creation directly affecting our soul. It's a deep Joy. It's something that is so directly connected with creation that it affects all of us. And it's always there. And Robert Louis Stevenson, he was a, a Scottish novelist and essayist. He says, find out where joy resides and give it a voice far beyond singing. For to miss the joy is to miss all. So joy is a little bit more than just what we often think about. It's far beyond just singing about joy. It's something that is, goes beyond even our comprehension. And so we can say that such joy is deeper and more meaningful than even our most precious day-to-day -day experience. That is one kind of joy. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians, when he talks about rejoice always, he actually talks about that kind of joy. We often misunderstand that because when we say, when we think of joy, we often think of it more of a, like a feeling type of thing, a joyful feeling, and then the next moment we feel sad, and then a, a few moments later we feel joyful again, right? That's usually what we think about when we think of joy. So often this scripture is understood as something like, oh, okay, rejoice always. Oh, I always to be happy, happy, happy. Remember that movie with, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Elaine, tell me. <laughs> Will Ferrell. Um, Zoolander. Happy, happy. Okay, uh, you don't watch Will Ferrell. What, what kind of, come on, that's your homework for this week, Zoolander. Okay, so you get my jokes. <laughs> so what kind of joy is, uh, is Paul talking about, you might wonder. You know, if it's not the joy that we usually relate to, if it's not like being happy and bubbly all the time, this is where I, I think we, we often get into uh, this dilemma of creating this, this, this pressure on us. So my God, I have to be joyful all day long. I have to be smiling. I have to be bubbly have to be happy all day long in order for this to work. No, you don't. Because Paul is talking about a different kind of joy. And Charles Fillmore in The Revealing Word, our co-founder, he wrote a couple of things about joy. He says, joy is the happiness of God expressed through his perfect idea, man. And remember when Charles wrote this, that's over 
you know, about 100 years ago, <laughs> very patriarchic society. He didn't man mean just men excluding women. He meant men, women, regardless of gender. He meant everyone, right? So it's the happiness of God expressed through his perfect idea. God's perfect idea is us. God's perfect idea is us. Imagine that for a moment, that to be true. The other thing Charles wrote is joy and gladness are strength giving. Today's absolute word is strength. Our topic is strength to a lot, some degree. A lot of the music is based on that, I believe, today too. And when we are in joy and gladness, then we actually build up strength especially if the mind is fixed on the things of spirit. In other words, especially when we are focused on God. See, the difference between us who go by, you know, go around every day, do our daily things and all that, and, for example, a monk that studies in a monastery and focuses only on one thing is that a monk or someone of high spirit, high spiritual uh, practice, is they put God first. That's what they practice before they do anything. Before they get up in the morning, God is first. Before they eat breakfast, God is first. And this is important here, what Charles is saying. We must be of the mind the mind must be fixed on the things of spirit. We must have our mind and heart focused on God before we do anything. That's the goal. That's the kind of joy we're talking about. He also says, affirm the joy of the Lord is my strength. And let's do this together. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Right? Now, this is very old language, so let's uh, spice this up a little bit. Okay, today we would say something like that. God, joy is my strength. Let's say this, this together. God, joy is my strength. So you see, we're moving away from the joy of the Lord to God, joy. It's coming closer to us, I believe. And what we need to realize is that to understand God, joy, we need to realize how we relate to God. Right? We all relate to God a little bit differently. Uh, most of us grew up in the Western world, in a Christian or maybe a Jewish environment, maybe even Muslim, uh, which is very theistic, which means God is separate from us, and there's always going to be a gap between. Right? And, and many of us are still um, relating to that kind of God more easily than the God from the East, which is all about oneness, all about God being already one with us. No gap whatsoever. We don't relate. So there are two different ways of relating to God, and both ways are okay. We all need to relate to God how it works for us. As long as it works for us, why not? If it doesn't work for us, that's why maybe when we need to start looking at it a little bit differently. So here is one way. This is the more theistic way of looking at God. Who has heard the expression of God is the ocean and we are the drop in the ocean? Most of us, right? Okay, so the issue with this image is 
a drop can always be separated from the ocean, can it? You can go in, dip the finger in the ocean, and then you have a drop on your finger, and you can discard it from the ocean. So separation is possible with this image. Now, this image may work for you, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's more of a theistic idea of that God and us can be separated. Okay? So God, joy is my strength, may then still feel that way. So you may still feel like, okay, there's God joy out there, and somehow I'm getting strength from that. But I don't have a lot to do with it. Okay? So God joy is the ocean, and I am a little tiny drop, not worthy, often, we tell ourselves, and I get strength from that, somehow. Okay? Which is okay. It's just one way of relating to God. Now, here is how Charles Fillmore prefers to think of us in relationship to God. This is what's called an eddy, an eddy in the ocean. An eddy is a swirl that starts forming, and then it disappears again. Guess what? Can you separate an eddy from the ocean? You cannot. You cannot separate the eddy from the ocean. It's impossible. Because the eddy appears and disappears. And Charles always preferred this idea of that we are the eddy in the ocean. We are a swirl of the ocean that can never be separated. So then we would say something more closely like that, which is a little more bolder. My God joy is my strength. Let's say this together. My God joy is my strength. Do you feel the difference? So God joy is my strength. My God joy is my strength. Okay? It doesn't matter which one you resonate more with. I just wanted to show you the difference. One that sees God as separate tends to put us in a position of defense where we sometimes don't realize that we have these powers, that we have the ability to relate to God at any time, that somehow we believe it's up to God whether we are having a happy life or not. Whereas in unity, we are clo more closely related to the eddy idea where it's absolutely not up to something outside of ourselves whether we're happy or not. It's up to us. And in order to realize our happiness, we need to step into the possibility and the power that we have. And we can do that because there's no separation. We don't have to wait for God to get up in the morning or do whatever or have some time for us. We are already connected with God all the time. And therefore, we have always the ability to affirm our God joy and our strength. So then we can simplify it even more with that idea in mind, still the eddy idea in mind. We're no longer separated from God. We're no longer having this gap. And now we can simply affirm and remember, I am that I am. That's where this is coming from. God's joy is my joy. There's no difference. God's joy is my joy. Let's say this together. God's joy is my joy. It's the burning bush. It's God speaking to Moses, speaking his 
true name. I am that I am. And we can use this affirmation with joy and with any other quality that we seek in our lives. And that affirmation helps us to become the eddy and learn that we are truly one. So then we can say when we realize that God is joy, or God joy is our joy, we can relate to it more intimately and confidently, couldn't we? When we truly realize that there's no difference between God joy and my joy, that they're one and the same, it's more relatable, isn't it? If we truly have faith in that, and if we truly can believe that, and I understand that that may be difficult. It may be difficult for us to say, oh my God, that's too much. <laughs> God joy cannot be my joy. But in a lot of the Eastern philosophies, in the oneness idea, in panentheism rather than theism, we truly believe that, that there is no separation. The only difference is that when we don't feel like we have this potential of feeling joy at all time, it's because we are making different choices. We are making choices that are not allowing us to experience that joy. The beauty is that when we realize that we made choices that do not allow us to do certain things, guess what? We have the power to change that choice. But if we are relying on joy, on God's joy to come to us whenever some outside entity is uh, in favor of us, then all we can do is we can try to, you know, do things that we finally get into that favor. But when we relate to it in a way that God's joy is our joy, we always know it's on us. We need to be the starting point. We need to be, have that willingness to experience that. So that makes sense so far with one kind of joy. Okay, so this is the joy that is infinite in potential, cannot be separated, cannot be destroyed, cannot be disconnected from us. It's impossible to get away from that joy. We actually have to um, deliberately walk away from that joy because we cannot help but only experience that joy. Right? That's that one kind of joy. So what's the other kind of joy, you might ask? Do you notice something about the word joy here? Lowercase, Lower right? So we do this in unity quite often. We capitalize words that we relate to something that is a God attribute. And then we have a lowercase, which is the same, but it's just a limited expression of that infinite potential. It's actually how we express joy in our lives. So that is more closely related to um, the joyful feeling that we often relate to. One time I'm joyful, the other, the other time I'm angry, then I'm sad, then I'm joyful again. That's the little J joy, right? So joy versus capital G joy, God joy, is also the difference between dependent versus independent from life challenges. Let me give you an example. When, um, <clears throat> have you ever been in love uh, with, you know, a person so much in love that nothing can go wrong. 
And then you have gotten up in the morning and you were waiting to get to see your loved one and you stubbed your toe really badly in the corner of your door. It didn't hurt that much, did it? Have you ever done that? I've done that. I've done that. I've had that, that feeling. When you're in this euphoric feeling and you actually hurt yourself, slap your hand against the, the post, it doesn't hurt so much because our attention is so much on that big L love. But guess what? When we're not so much in love, when we're actually having, struggling in our relationships, when we're not feeling it, right? Guess what? We don't even, we, we can barely touch, you know, our skin and it hurts a lot more, doesn't it? Okay? It's because we are much more dependent on the ups and downs of life. Whereas when we are focusing on which is what is independent, on God joy, on God love, on God compassion, on God peace, then we're much more able to go through life more calmly. Who has seen this before? Anyone from the 80s was alive in the 80s, 70s, 80s, right? So... It was, it, was, it was pretty big back then. I don't know about nowadays. It's called the biorhythm. Ever heard of biorhythm? Okay. I know it's a bit small. but it's, So this is a, a biorhythm, traditional biorhythm, and it shows the fluctuations on all levels of beings throughout the month of a human being. And it uses physical, emotional, intellectual, and on this particular example, it also uses int intuitional. Usually you only see the physical, emotional, and the intellectual. And so it always goes ups and down, up and down. And whenever I talk about, you know, the fluctuations of life and I do this, that's what I'm thinking about. It's the biorhythm, okay? Now, this, this is an example how it looks for a month. But I think we can um, do something with what I call the spiritual biorhythm, and we can put this on a day. So where the physical represents our body, the intellectual re represents our thoughts, the emotional represents our feeling, joy, small j joy. And then the spiritual, the intuitional is the spiritual, and that represents the soul. Even throughout a single day, we experience fluctuations in all those levels, wouldn't you say? It's not just over a month. And so think of little j joy, that second kind of joy as being one that you experience one in a high, and then one in a low, and one in a high, and one in a low. Who has experienced that, right? That's mostly what we relate to, is that kind of joy. That's what we hear when we hear Paul saying, rejoice always. Well, we're not gonna be able to do that, because that's just our natural life rhythm. It all depends, of course, you know, how we are treating ourselves and lots of different factors, Usually, I mean, I have not met a human being before who was just kind of like me, you know? Like, like everyone, even, even the greatest spiritual leaders that I have met in life, they have had ups and downs. They just learned to relate to it more differently and to accept it more differently. So we have that, and that little J joy is just part of that. It comes and it goes and it's up and it's down, Okay, so we have that which is dependent 
on our life challenges. There is a dependency. Okay, so now we're changing the bottom to a purple color because we are now representing at the bottom there that which is beyond our life challenges, beyond our ups and downs. Guess what that is? Any ideas? Joy. Joy, yeah. Anything else? Faith. What else? Love. Big G. God. Yeah, God. There you go. It's independent from biorhythm, the human fluctuations. And it usually is seen as God, Hashem, Allah, Brahman, Atman, Universe, Nature, Divine, Christ. There's so many names of it. But it's, that's what we relate to, is when we think of God, isn't it? We think of something that is not dependent on our ups and downs. Because that would be terrible. What if we were sad and God is sad with us? Well, God couldn't help us much, right? The truth is, that's actually what's going on. If we are sad, God is sad with us because we are part of that. But at the same time, God is also potential of happiness, potential of joy. So now, as we realize that there is the ups and downs of life up there in the biorhythm, and there is a stability beyond our ups and downs that we usually represent as God, we can now replace it with qualities of God. Love, wisdom, compassion, faith, peace, justice, goodness, and joy. And that's the other kind, right? We have both. We experience joy in our human fluctuations, but we also have the ability to connect to the joy which never changes. And today, I want you to learn to connect to that because it's that God joy that's relevant to put into service in that God service for it all to become useful to you as a spiritual tool. All right. So you know this pyramid. Top is joy, little j joy. Not at the bottom, we talked about needs at the bottom, right? There's the capital J joy. So as we practice, we learn to practice to go between. We learn to recognize, oh, I'm focusing on joyful feelings right now. Let me focus a little bit more on the joy that's always there. The more we embrace the idea that God and I are one, that oneness principle, the more we allow ourselves to recognize God joy in our lives, regardless of circumstances. The beauty about the capital J joy, about God joy, is that we can be in the greatest turmoil, in greatest chaos. We can have the biggest arguments with our partners or families. We can have the most terrible, terrible experience in life. And if we learn to grab that God joy, it will always be there. Who believes that that is true? Thank you. Okay. Question is how, right? Principle four, our practices, Paul, again, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, 
give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We need to learn to rejoice, not be always happy and bubbly. That's not the expectation. Never. We don't have to be happy all the time. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be disgruntled, frustrated, irritated. That's all okay because that's part of life. But we need to learn to find the joy at all times while we're frustrated, while we're angry, while we're sad, while we're happy, while we're joyful, so that we find that stability to get back to at all times. So joy and service, putting it all together, means, again, these three things about service. Okay, we already talked about this. And we're adding now the following. There is the command to rejoice always. It matters how we relate to what joy is. So we need to become aware of that. And then learning to embrace God. Joy in our lives makes us immune, independent from life's challenges. Challenges. Once we understand what to relate to, that there is a bigger joy there rather than the joy that goes away once in a while, then we know that we can relate to that independent of what's happening in our lives. And finally, with God's joy, we claim true strength. It is not given to us. We give it to ourselves. That's important. Don't wait for some separate God or separate entity to give that to you, but learn to claim that which you seek without waiting, because you all have the power to do so. We all do. And even in moments when we think we don't, we still do, because we can never be separated from that ability. To be God joy in God's service means to rejoice, capital J, always in all we do, even though we might experience challenges in life. To be in service with all our being, giving it to all to all, and to be pure of heart and mind. Find that harmony and that righteousness. So finally, to understand and effectively apply joy in service unlocks the secrets of the universe to partake in God creation. This sounds very fantastical, doesn't it? But what I just told you about the past couple of weeks is actually something that is often hidden and kept a secret in some ashram or some commune or whatever. Because it has been believed that that is something that is not worthy to be taught unless you dedicate your entire life to this kind of study. But it's a simple truth that we all can learn it used to be believed that you have to do this years and years and years to come in order to actually know how to do this. That's why I'm claiming this. This is unlocking a secret that many are deserving to know. So now let's get to know that. And we're doing a little bit differently today. So we're doing a meditation together. It's like an exercise, but we're not pairing up. And then we have the music team um, closing us with their beautiful meditation music. And then I'll come back just to, for some reflection.
And as I've been showing you, we're starting with this again. Okay. One of the, th one of the secrets that I, I was taught many years ago in the ashram is that you don't have to close your eyes in order to meditate. You don't have to close your eyes in order to connect with God. It's not necessary. In fact, we were all required to learn to connect with God at any given moment, at any given time, regardless of how we felt, before we were allowed to go out and teach. And so I want to keep doing this with you so you get to know and learn how we all can connect with God through this simple mindfulness exercise, right? So I want you to breathe in as this expands. And breathe out. And use your breath to turn your mind inward. And keep your eyes open, okay? I want you to learn to turn your senses inward toward the God that's within you. Just keep breathing. And if this helps to focus, great. Allow each breath to be an opportunity for you to connect with the Christ self, with your divine, with who and what you truly are. As we move into this meditation, you just learn to go deeper and deeper. And if it's comfortable for you right now, you may close your eyes, lower your gaze, or if you want to challenge yourself, you may leave your eyes open and keep focusing inward. Think of the things you do in service to others, whether it's current or in the past, or if you plan to do something in the future. Choose one of those service opportunities for this exercise today. Let's apply your learning about God's service and God's joy to what you have chosen. Remember what it means to be in God's service with perfect joy, putting all your heart, mind, soul, and strength into it. Giving it all to all without hesitation. Remember the pure altruism that it takes to truly be in service to others and experience pure gratitude and abundance in life. To rejoice always with the joy independent of your life's ups and downs, claiming the joy and its strength as you give it to yourself right now. Without judgment, worry, or regret, identify where you might have fallen short of these sacred goals. Gently name them in your mind and heart, and 
and allow them to resonate kindly with you just for a moment. Nothing you may have done was bad. We're all learning to be more of the perfect perfection we are. It's a process over time, from moment to moment. And as you have identified what has fallen short, bring them all together and place them into a golden sphere located just in front of your heart. Allow anything that you have fallen short for to enter this golden sphere to be kept safe. And now, if it's comfortable for you, place your left hand first on your heart and breathe into it. Place your right hand on your left hand and breathe into that. Feel the connection with all levels of your being. Allow the sphere to be part of all that you are. Appreciate whatever you placed into the sphere for what they have given you. Do not judge them, do not regret them, do not worry about them. And take a deep breath in and exhale long. And with your next deep breath, lean into the sphere, just gently, and feel whatever you need to feel. Exhale and lean back, knowing that all is part of you and all is perfect. Inhale and lean into the sphere. Envisioning everyone who might share your falling shorts with you. Exhale, lean back and find compassion for everyone who shares the contents of your sphere. Inhale and lean into the sphere and wish everyone who shares the pain with you relief, allowing them to let go and forgive. Exhale, lean back, and give yourself permission to let go and forgive. As you keep breathing, allow the sphere to move on. It taught you what it needed to, and it now can go and be of great purpose to something else. Release the sphere without anger and resentment and embrace instead only care, love, kindness, and compassion. Know that whenever the sphere goes, it will be safe. And even if some of the falling shorts may return to you sometimes, treat them kindly as you release them once more. As you watch the sphere move on into the distance, 
gently bring your mind and heart fully into this moment. Focus on your heart as you allow your gratitude for what you just did to grow. In that growth, give thanks to the people and things you are grateful for. Allow your gratitude to expand far beyond your human and spiritual body, joining everyone else's gratitude as you continue to give thanks. Be grateful for the work you just did, we all just did. Be grateful to be alive and continue to learn to be who and what you are. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so it is. Amen. Let's continue. Go back to the mindfulness. Open your eyes if it's comfortable. And now just focus on your breathing. Once more, put God first. Turn within. And remember to put God first always. Now check in with your thoughts and feelings. What do you notice? What feelings resonate with you right now? What thoughts enter your mind right now? And as you keep breathing and focusing on the God within you, let us listen to some beautiful music from our music. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.